With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wild West Podcast, where today I'm excited for my guest, Teo Alfaro. Teo's the founder of Wolf Connection, which is a wolf sanctuary in the mountains above Los Angeles, where people go to receive what Teo calls wolf therapy. So the way it works is there are 33 wolves and wolf dogs on this big piece of land in a national forest up near Palmdale. They live in fenced-in habitats, and people go and actually interact with them. All of the wolves are rescues, and they all have histories of mistreatment and abandonment. And so Teo believes that sharing those stories with people who might be suffering from trauma or psychological issues can help inspire breakthroughs and healing. But you don't just go to learn about the wolves. You can actually go inside their pens. You can pet them, and you can go on short guided hikes with them as well. Teo works mainly with troubled teenagers in Antelope Valley nearby, And when these kids interact with the wolves, he says, it triggers this memory of a shared bond between humans and wolves built over hundreds of thousands of years. And it's this ancestral connection that he says we've forgotten or we've left behind as humanity has removed itself from the wilderness. The theory that I'm proposing here in Wolf Connection is that when these youth come in contact with the wolves, that memory gets activated. And that memory resides at a primal level that is beneath, underneath all the socialized learned behavior. So all the hurt and pain and resentments and closeness and cease to be for a moment, just for a split second that allows us to begin a new conversation. Teo's theory might sound a little out there, but there's been some early psychological research conducted by Claremont McKenna, actually, that shows that high school students who participated in Wolf Connection's eight-week program exhibited more pro-social behavior, self-reflection, and more personal insight. And it's not just teenagers that are benefiting from visiting Wolf Connection. We're now seeing Hollywood bigwigs that have taken a shine to the sanctuary as well. Actor Daisy Ridley from Star Wars, Lakers owner Jeannie Buss, Jason Momoa, who played Aquaman recently, have all visited the sanctuary. And if you look at reviews online, people rave about their experiences being spiritually transformative. So all this made me want to go check out what Wolf Connection is about and speak to Teo about his master plan to earn wolf therapy more mainstream attention. So I went recently and got the tour. I heard the wolf stories. I walked with the wolves and sat down with Teo after to get more of his theories about how all this works. It's a great conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll hear more from Teo in just a moment, but first this brief message. All right, we're back. Now on to my conversation with Wolf Connection founder, Teo Alfaro. How's it going, Teo? It's going well. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So you started Wolf Connection 10 years ago now. It's your 10th anniversary. 2009 is when you guys launched how did that 
concept come to be? It's not every day that somebody starts a wolf sanctuary. So how right. did you get to this point? Right. But let me put it this way. It was never in my uh, vision board. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, you know, sometimes when things find you, that was the case with Wolf Connection. I, um, I have pledged my life to serve the next generation in a number of ways. And, and at the time, I had just rescued a little wolf dog puppy. And I was looking for a, a more powerful way to engage young people, mm -hmm. to get them to open up, to trust more easily. And I had no idea what that would look like. In the search for, for a um, playmate for my pet, I came in contact with 16 wolves and wolf dogs in the high desert uh, outside uh, north of Los Angeles where animals that needed help. They were in a hoarding facility rescued by a, a, a dog facility. And I just happened to come by looking for a, a, an animal to adopt. And, and I see these animals, my, my, my heart went up, went out, I opened up and, and I stayed and volunteered. And within three months, on a total whim, I decided to take him all. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of Wolf Connection. I mean, I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have any money. I didn't have uh, any experience working with wolves. And there I was uh, caring for these animals that, that I could not leave behind. Yeah. Well, this, this puppy that I adopted was uh, 2007. So um, by the time she was two years old, I, was, I began a search for a, for a playmate, a, a, um, a life mate for her. Her name was Tala, by the way. And um, looking online like anybody else looking to adopt an animal, and I find a little tiny little picture of a wolf dog in an adoption site. So I contact uh, the, the dog rescue center they had it, and they say, well, we have some other ones. So I go to see them, and they show me the 16 animals that I was mentioning earlier. Uh, that was um, yeah, mid-2009 mid somewhere. And um, I stayed. I began volunteering, began help, helping out with the feeding a day or two a week. And then one day I'm speaking with a woman running the, the place, the, the rescue center, and and these words kind of my come out of my mouth. I said, you know, all my life I wanted to start a wolf sanctuary. Today I still don't know where those words came from. It was not true. I mean, it was not something that I had in my, the the forefront of my my interest or awareness. And yet they were uh, honest words. They were sincere. And and she said, I'll help you. And and I never looked back. And, and I don't know if it was a longing speaking through me, the world speaking through me. It was some, some uh, inner knowing that I had that I didn't know I, I, I had. And then within a year, I was able to find, uh, uh, with the help of this woman, in fact, uh, able to find um, uh, a piece of land that I could lease uh, where I can move the animals. And, and I did. And we stayed there for five years. And, and this ranch that you, we are in right now, um, we purchased it four years ago. Okay. So in 2015. And did you always have in mind to pair the Wolf Sanctuary with this sort of youth therapy program? Like I said, none of this I had in mind. I mean, <laughs> there was nothing on my mind. I was just uh, taking one step after the next and putting one foot in front of the, the other and saying yes to certain things that were opening up. The... Um, 
I, I never realized that the, the two things that I was looking for, a playmate for my animal and a more powerful way to engage uh, teens and youth, were going to uh, you know, merge so beautifully. Uh, the idea came early in the first few months of uh, me taking you know, possession of these animals when I, I was already working with young people and lecturing at schools and so forth. So I invited uh, some individual teens and then one or two classrooms that I had just lectured at, uh, different schools in the area, and they came to meet the wolves. I didn't have a program, I didn't have a curriculum, I didn't have a, a plan, I didn't have anything. All I had was uh, just the presence and, and, and the witnessing of the miracle. And I began seeing uh, great healing. I began seeing great um, opening. So these youth that were originally very uh, somber and serious and, and closed down began opening up and share and laughing and, and uh, having a good time. What do you think it is about the wolves, the presence of these wild animals or sort of formerly wild animals that appeals to teens or, you know, opens them up, like you said? Well, it's not only to teens, it appeals to humans. Mm -hmm. And it's not any wild animals, it's the wolf. So science is beginning to confirm or suggest what uh, early civilizations have been talking about for millennia, which is the wolf is the first animal we ever associated with, perhaps hundreds of thousands of years ago. And they have, we have literally, literally been running with wolves for time immemorial. And they have taught us, the, showed, us showed us the way. I mean, we, every tradition where there is or there used to be wolves, which is uh, virtually the entire Northern Hemisphere, they refer to the wolf as the teacher. And, you know, Mythology evolves, so is the teacher of uh, of uh, altruism and and integrity and and warriorship and family values and so on. I believe that originally was just a teacher of survival, and they we we have imitated over the the millennia migrating patterns and hunting techniques and social structure and even communication techniques or, or, or methods. So some biologists believe that that connection with wolves um, re resides in our DNA coding. We have a memory of that relationship with wolves. So the theory that I'm, I'm proposing here in a wolf connection is that when these youth come in contact with the wolves, that memory gets activated. And that memory resides at a primal level that is beneath, underneath all the socialized learned behavior. So all the hurt and pain and resentments and closeness and cease to be for a moment, just for a split second that allows us to begin a new conversation. And that's why I believe the results are so, so, uh, so deep and so, so final. And you guys at Wolf Connection has actually been part of some scientific research and studies that have been conducted that show this. Is that right? Well, the studies that we've been doing, we partnered up with... Um, Claremont University Psychology Department. So the, the studies have been done. It's been a longitudinal study on the results of the program and where, you know, connectivity, to, connection to nature and connect, connection to self and self-regulation were the metrics that were, um, that were evaluated. 
So we didn't necessarily uh, try to go into the ancestral connection. I wouldn't even know how to measure that mm. uh, if it wasn't through, uh, through genome mapping. Um, but yes, and the results of these studies uh, with Claremont have been, have been substantial. Yeah. And how many wolves do you guys have at the compound now? Currently 33. 33. And in the process of developing a second compound for another 30. Okay. And, but you've had as many as, over the years, over the decades, you've had how many? We rescue, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but over the 10 years we've been here, we probably rescue 70 or 80. Okay. And we house them for life, and we had, you know, about 50 of them already passed. And so where are these wolves coming from? Well, these wolves come from all over the country, uh, even North America, Canada, Mexico, and there are wolves and wolf dogs that are bred in captivity, sold as pets, in some cases illegally. Some other ones come from fur farms or uh, roadside attractions or zoos. So in all of the cases are, you know, there's some neglect and abandonment uh, involved, mistreatment. Um, in some cases, uh, we just received three animals were um, the neighbors complained, and since they are illegal to own, then you know government agencies get involved, and it's, it's better for the owner to relinquish the animals to us, than get him taken away and euthanized. Mm -hmm. And but you guys actually have to turn wolves down. Like there are so many wolves that need uh, a new home, that need some kind of sanctuary, that you can't house them all, right? Right, in a typical year, we probably reject 50 to 80 or something like that. Not all of them will be suitable for our program, but they, they go through our um, rescue hotline. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what we're trying to develop, more, more space to house them. Right. How do you vet when, when somebody brings you a wolf and says this wolf needs a home or is you know, being abandoned? How do you actually vet or analyze them to see if they would be a good fit here? Well, it's a few steps. The first one is to determine that they are, in fact, a wolf or a wolf dog. A lot of people believe they have a wolf or wolf dog, or they've been told they have a wolf dog uh, by a breeder, and, in fact, they have a husky-looking... You know, if you mix, if you, if you breed a husky with a Sherman Shepherd, mm -hmm. you probably get a little bit of a wolfy-looking animal, mm -hmm. right? And it has no wolf in it. So first to determine that. Once we determine the, the wolf content, the reason for that is that, I mean, every animal that is rescued is worth saving but animals that are there are only a few wolf and wolf dog centuries like ours so and there are a lot more dog rescue centers and dogs are legally you can be legally adopted so there's a different path you can we can determine that it's in fact not a wolf or a wolf dog there's a lot more possibilities for those animals mm -hmm. secondly we determine um the main thing is aggression levels Right? If an animal has been mistreated to the point that they are vicious or they, they, they just lash out on anybody comes, that comes by, it's typically not an animal for us. Mm -hmm. There are other sanctuaries around the country that are close to the public that will happily receive an animal that is uh, aggressive uh, beyond, beyond uh, um, rehabilitation. And they usually end up in a nice enclosure and, and they get, you know, the food is thrown over the fence and it's all good. Mm -hmm. Because of the um, constant interaction with the public here, an animal like that would not be suitable for our facility. And so those are the two main metrics. And the third one is, do we have the space? Mm -hmm. If we have the space, I mean, we're, you know, we make every effort 
to to receive these animals. Of course, we, in addition to that, we do a whole um, behavioral and health checkup, in the sense that people can, you know, we need to know what what we are. Every time we adopt an animal, we are assuming tens of thousands of dollars of expenses over the life of the animal, considering the animal is healthy. If the animal now has a terminal disease or it has a degenerative you know, ailment or needs uh, ongoing care, that you know, multiplies really quickly. So we always need to know what we're getting into. And you had experience with animals before that, right? Didn't you grow up with animals? I grew up with dogs. You know, I, I had my first dog at three, and then uh, you know, and, and, uh, and my family had uh, some some land, so some cows and you know, goats and chickens, that kind of stuff. Um, when I came to the states, I volunteered for a couple of years with a, um, a wild animal sanctuary that has some some mountain lions from the LA Zoo. Mm. So I, I was a, a caretaker, one of the care, volunteer caretakers for three mountain lions. So when I came in contact with the wolves, I understood a few things about wild animals. Um, I understood a certain level of awareness that you need to keep uh, in your surroundings. And when you're with them, you cannot get distracted. And I understood speed. They move and they, they pause and their mouth and they move at a speed that no um, domestic animal you know, do. What does that mean? Why can't you take your focus off of them? Well, it's a matter of survival. You know, with the animals that we have here at Wolf Connection, some of them are pure wolves, some of them are mixes. Mm -hmm. So there are different levels of leniency around them. That said, is is um, you know we're in a culture of distraction, so we multitask. We do more. You know, we check your phone and have your conversation. Your, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, with the wolves, it's about it's about presence. Um, First, you don't want to miss anything. Obviously, they're so cold. I mean, they have so much uh, richness uh, of experience, of emotion that they can offer. But secondly, one moment they are playing with you, and then they want to, you know, steal your hat or your water bottle, or it's, it's things that you want to, you know, you want to be present. You want to be there with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We just went out on a hike with a couple of the wolves yeah. and saw some of the wolves in their habitats, also, and. We felt, I think we all felt that same sense that you are 100% focused on the wolves. And I think on some level, for us at least, you know, it's our first time seeing wolves, but it's because they kind of emanate so much power and control. And maybe we have this kind of primal instinct that, you know, we need to kind of not be on guard necessarily, but be very, pre like you said, present and very careful about what we're doing which is, is interesting. It really kind of takes you into that moment. Yeah, well, if you think about it, we live in a world, artificial world, right? So the ground is flat. And, and um, you know, you, you know that from one corner to the next, you're going to walk on a sidewalk for the length of that block. I mean, that's very artificial setting. So we, we have set up our environment so we can get distracted. We can have a conversation or, you know, window shopping while you're walking. When in nature, I mean, the, the, the ground is uneven, you can trip, there are rocks, there are holes, there are, uh, the trail winds through a mountain. So it's really the, the level of attention you, you need with the wolves is the level of attention that you need in any natural setting. That's interesting. And even though 
the wolves that you have at this facility aren't technically a pack. They do have, they do exhibit, you know, this socialized wolf behavior that you would see. And so they do need to kind of interact, be able to interact with each other on some basic level and communicate with each other, right? Yeah, they're not a pack in the sense that a wolf, a wild wolf would be in a pack. You know, a, a, a pack in the wild is a wolf, mom and dad, with two or three liters of, of pups. And here, since we adopt wolves from different areas and they come here as adults, so they're not a pack in the, same, in the sense that are not blood related. They are a pack in the sense that they eat together, they howl together, they live next to each other, and, and they, share, they share a territory. So in that sense, they are a pack. Uh, could we put them all together in one enclosure? Probably not. There would be a number of uh, resource guarding and territory and, and uh, a competition that would probably make it a little dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. But um, energetically speaking, they are bonded with each other. Right. Yeah, so when you're taking on a new wolf or you're thinking about taking on a new wolf, do you try to you know, analyze whether they're an alpha or an omega or like a beta? Does any of that really matter? Or? No, no, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't only for many reasons. One is that those are not fixed uh, roles that they play in the pack. An animal that is um, that can be dominant and it can can play some kind of a an, an alpha role. Over the years, they may come down and and subdue their their dominance and become more subordinate. Or animals that are come as pups that are young and they are mostly um, uh, submissive as they age out and they get they recover. Don't forget that the animals come here with injuries. They come here with health issues. So once those health issues are addressed and they're well fed and they grow, all those um, personality traits will change. And the other thing that we is, is typical when we get a new animal that comes into a pack of 30 wolves, they're usually in their best behavior. So they're usually on the submissive side, mm-hmm. you know, making themselves a little smaller. They want to fit in. So you don't really see their behavior until a few weeks after they came in. They don't really exhibit their true, their true personality. So as long as, like I said before, as long as they're not viciously aggressive, as long as they are a wolf, in fact, and as long as we have the room, we take them. So over the course of this decade that you've been in operation, I can't help but think that uh, Game of Thrones, the television show, has been on for the last eight years, just yep. wrapped up. Yep. And this feature of the show are dire wolves. Everybody thinks they're awesome. They're beautiful to look at. I can only imagine that uh, the presence of these wolves in pop culture like that and the mainstream has made people think a little bit more about owning a wolf or wanting to own a wolf. Have you seen any of that kind of unfold with like more wolves becoming available? Yeah. Not recently, but in the first years of the show, yes. And in fact, um, I mean, I, I, I didn't take the time to confirm this, but apparently there was some breeding facilities that they were trying to breed wolves with uh, Irish wolfhounds to make them look as dire wolves because of the show and the interest that was, you know, some people wanted to to have a, a dire wolf. You know, granted, the, the actual animals that they use in the show are low content wolf dogs are very doggy looking hmm. but um, you know in, for the general public cannot tell the difference so um, you know in any 
I would say that really the show could be an, an uh, we could make the case that why why wolf and wolf dogs are not good pets. I mean, those animals in the show don't exhibit themselves as lap dogs, right? right? You know, for the most part, they are pretty wild and they go to war with, you know, the different characters and so on. And so here at Wolf Connection, you guys also have started doing private tours and hosting guests in, in other ways, right? So what, what kinds of sort of programming do you have here? Um, how can people come visit and check it out? Yeah, so that's, that's twofold. So Wolf Connection, I created it for everybody. The wolves have a message and a, and a healing influence on, on everyone. It doesn't need to be a kid in foster care. That said, uh, our primary focus is at-risk population. So we do serve youth in foster care, in gangs, uh, with drug, drug addictions, uh, um, you know, in expulsion schools and so on, low-income neighborhoods. Uh, we serve veterans, we serve um, uh, previously incarcerated individuals. And, but with true to the mission of um, making it available for everybody, we are also um, have a partnership with Airbnb where we have semi-privates on a regular basis that people can just pay a small fee and, and come and, and experience the, the, the magic and the healing. Uh, yeah, what is that? Sorry to, to stop you. What does that involve, actually? People come and stay here for the night, and how do they kind of interact with the wolves? We used to do overnights at one point, and we found them um, a little uh, far-reaching. Uh, so we, we rolled those, those ones back. So currently, the Airbnb program is a, it's a half-day visit, basically. And, but we treat it as a program, so we don't do entertainment. I mean, the wolves are not interested in entertaining, and we are not interested in entertaining. So this is not a zoo, this is not an attraction. This is a, a programmatic, you know, uh, self-development or human development approach. So even when people come to uh, semi-private through Airbnb, they will experience uh, a meditation, we will do a, a council, they will uh, receive some of the wolf wisdom. They will be able to interact with the animals with uh, life lessons and so on. Um, and then we do uh, also uh, corporate programs. You know, so we we serve some Fortune 500 companies through uh, team building and leadership training based on wolf philosophy. Hmm. Uh, that has been, ex especially for tech companies, it has been uh, extremely beneficial because the environments are could not be further removed from nature, you know, these uh, this hangers of desks with giant, you know, screens and computers coding all day. So coming and being in the ranch uh, with no um, technology, uh, with the wind in your face, with the sun, and then wolf howling, and then beginning to listen to the stories of the wolf pack, it's, uh, it's been extremely beneficial. And I've seen a bunch of different celebrities have come by. There's, I think... Daisy Ridley, the Star Wars actor, has been here. I heard that the owner of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss, has come by. Uh, Moby, I think, the musician, has come by. So when those people come, what, are they, what do you see that they're kind of looking for? What are they hoping for? Well, Jason Momoa, Helen Hunt, uh, um, um, the, the singer of the Aerosmith. Oh, Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler. So we, we had a, yeah. Well, it's a sexy project. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a sexy project. It's, you know, it's, it's wolves and teens, and it's a non-profit. So it's about saving animals and helping the next generation. The ranch is designed as a prototype for sustainable living. So uh, either we are now or in the process of finalizing our solar and wind and organic farm and water recycling, zero landfill output. I mean, what is not to like? Right and and being an hour from LA and 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 what happened was with the first couple of celebrities heard about it and now they're telling their friends mm-hmm. and in addition another thing we don't exploit these relationships so we sell them when celebrities come we are not after their endorsement or after their their they just we you know it's healing for them too mm-hmm. I mean doesn't matter who walks in the door the the proposition is the same it's a it's a, a psych um, a council a meditation time with the wolves in nature listening to the stories receiving the medicine and then being transformed yeah they i've heard a couple celebrities talk about their experience but also if you just look at like yelp reviews trip advisor reviews most people say they most people say they they have the same message they come away feeling the same thing which is it was the spiritual enlightenment for me you know it really like you said opened me up um it really has this profound effect on people. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and then so I mean, I'm I'm blessed to have this uh, incredible team. So I have I have people in the team that can really carry the message and the energy of the wolves. And for the most part, is the wolves. You know, they have this this. Uh, like I said, we have a, a an ancestral connection with these animals, and all we need to do is just to become available to that to get reignited. Are there any misconceptions about wolves that you feel like you'd like to correct that, you know, that people have that you'd like to correct? Well, people have many misconceptions about people, right? And then we project our misconceptions into everything else. You know, I make this case in the book, in my book. The reason I think wolves are so awakened this incredible love or vicious hatred is because they they reflect us the most. Is the animal that really is the biggest mirror for humanity. So we either, uh, you know, we love it or we detest it with all our might, and it's uh, and it's beyond logic. It's a, a complete primal and conscious level. So, um, by the same token, you know, the wolf was one of the most sacred animals to humanity until very recent, uh, really in our history, and around the time of the Inquisition and the witch hunts, anything that was sacred to humans was made evil worshipping. And the wolf was one of the primary targets of that. So the wolf from being a, a teacher and a companion became uh, you know, a, a, a devil helper, the devil's helper. helper. And, uh, and still some, some people would say that, you know, the wolf works for the devil. So I believe it comes down to raising consciousness at every level, so raising vibration for humanity. And then once that happens, those these misconceptions dissipate because it's not just, it's not really about the wolves, it's about us. Hmm. What is the most memorable moment that you personally have had with a wolf? What's the coolest thing that's ever happened to you with a wolf? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. You know, the wolf brought, brought me my wife. And so my, my wife, Renee, was one of my first volunteers and and um, I didn't really look at her 
until the wolves started pointing her out and the way they were treating her and the way they so that was really a, a, a pivotal moment in my life um, and then once we got married uh, another, one of the wolves uh, told her that she was pregnant uh, you know she was only days pregnant and and this wolf Maya was our former alpha female who's passed uh, about a year ago she Renee was doing the morning round she wasn't showing of course probably a week or two pregnant and and uh, this wolf came to her in a specific way put her head on her belly and then pulled back and let out a howl and and Renee goes like, wait a minute, what are you trying to say? And she comes to me and goes like, I think I'm pregnant. Or if I'm not pregnant, something else is happening because Maya just did this and it was very strange. And she was in fact pregnant. I mean, we have now our daughter is about, you know, it's going to be five years old. Um, so those are, I mean, incredible, incredible moments. That's right? incredible. Incredible moments, yeah. So what's next for Wolf Connection? What's next for the compound? You guys are doing, you guys are building some stuff. You have plans for other programming what's the next step well next steps is um, many next steps I mean I Wolf Connection is 10 years old and I still feel that it's uh, in its uh, infancy um, we are developing the second wolf compound but that's part of a much larger development uh, uh, plan that involves uh, transitional housing involves uh, pound houses involves a, a full-fledged a retreat center, a hundred wolves on the land, the organic farms. So ultimately, the Wolf Connection is intended to become a, a destination for human growth and human enlightenment and as a prototype for sustainable living. So that's a 10-year development project. So the next decade is going to get very interesting. Sounds very interesting. Um, well, I don't want to take any more of your time. This has been great, Taylor. Well, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much. It's good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Teo. For more info on Wolf Connection, check out www.wolfconnection.org. If you want to follow what I'm up to with California Travel, I'm on Twitter at Greg R. Thomas. Or if you've got questions for me or suggestions for who I should bring on the pod, email me at gthomas at sfchronicle.com. Wild West is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you like us, please throw us a rating and a review. See you next time.